Thanks for tuning in and welcome to DAVCAT 43 Fights Fascism. Today we're going to be covering Trump's word-finding difficulties and how they're finally making the mainstream news, as well as GOP radicalization and the implications for all the non-partisan government employees. Welcome to DAVCAT 43. Thanks for tuning in. And today's topics are Trump's word-finding difficulties. In medical terms, we would call it anomia. And it's exciting that uh, it's finally making the mainstream news. We're also going to be talking about the GOP radicalization and how that is a problem because it puts all uh, nonpartisan government employees in a bind. Uh, they're going to be accused of being partisan in the other direction unless they are super aligned with uh, Trump, who is diverting policies and procedures from their normal course. So nice to see a few regular viewers. Thanks for joining in. So how are we feeling uh, about Trump being called out for some of the unnerving qualities of his now second annual physical exam for 2019. So according to Trump and his staff, he just popped into Walter Reed Hospital uh, for a part of an annual checkup, even though he's already had an annual checkup this year, and he's due for his next one in January of 2020. So according to the liars in the White House, he's just filling in time. Uh, according to other people, there's already lots of medical facilities available in the White House. They have things on hand to do routine blood tests, etc. So Walter Reed must have been necessary for something of concern that required facilities above and beyond all of the high caliber facilities available in, uh, in the White House itself. Oh, we must have had a, f uh, a troll share because I can see from the uh, sudden deluge of names we have quite a lot of trolls. Welcome. Uh, perhaps you can learn something. It is concerning and possibly indicative of an underlying neurological problem when someone presents with repeated instances of word-finding problems, uh, specifically to do with very common words, saying the United States of America instead of the United States of America, saying oranges instead of origins and failing to correct yourself in real time in a public setting, suggest that there are things going on with the leader of the free world other than his rampaging uh, fascist autocratic tendencies. Now, of course, we've all heard about how he has personality disorders such as narcissism, uh, malignant narcissism and sociopathy. But what is not often enough talked about is how those personality disorders really do feed in to what is known about effective tactics for dictators and effective personality characteristics for dictators and fascists. Because fascism is essentially a, con a contagion. It's a type of cult based on personality in which people start to falsely conflate a leader with the strength of a nation and they'll believe that that leader is beyond criticism because they also feel that nationalism is a great path and that their country is beyond criticism. Yes, I'm very well acquainted with uh, what fascism is, dear troll. Uh, I personally have had family members uh, murdered by the industrial industrialized scale mass slaughter of a scapegoated minority group. So I'm familiar with the tactics of fascist leaders who use the susceptibility of some people in a population to uh, amplified half-truths. So you take any Jew who's committed a crime and you say, look, Jewish people are part of a pattern of criminality and they are all essentially traitors to our wonderful beyond criticism nation. I, I am getting paid, Troll points out, but not by Democrats. I have a couple of 
very generous, loyal Patreons who encourage me. So it doesn't work out as being particularly lucrative. I Their gen- donations are generous, but in a daily sense, I'm probably getting about $2 a day for my uh, work in researching and presenting, which is not a huge amount to be contributing to my family's upkeep, but it's symbolic and it makes me know that I have a job and an obligation to those people who have listened to me for a number of years now uh, opine on political developments not only in the US but in the UK and in Australia. Everywhere where there is an embedded uh, Rupert Murdoch news delivery system, i.e. Trump TV, Fox News, and in Australia we have Rupert Murdoch dominance of the print media uh, and it's it exerts a chilling effect on a democracy. Uh, it helps people vote for self-destructive policies. It helped people in the UK uh, deliver a slim majority in a non-binding, non-compulsory referendum called the Brexit vote that has committed the UK uh, unofficially and informally to a course of action that is going to be significantly destructive to the UK economy and to UK society. It's already jeopardising medical care in the UK because a lot of people from the UK are of European background, uh, migrants. So it jeopardises the status, the legal residential status of migrants, as well as allowing the government to sell off their universal healthcare system to the US, to privatised uh, healthcare companies that introduce a very unfortunate conflict of interest with healthcare provision. So that when you're sick, you not only have to contend with your own illness, but you have to contend with the bureaucratic requirements to prove your illness to employees of a company who would better serve their stakeholders and their shareholders if they deny your claims or find fault with your paperwork completion. So if they nitpick your claims to need medical treatment, then they will deliver a better profit for their, country, for their company and a better outcome uh, for, for the shareholders. So that creates huge complications, difficulties and grief for people who have the misfortune of becoming ill. And too many people in modern society embrace that because we've been taught to resent each other, to look around and say, yep, there are people behaving irresponsibly, therefore we shouldn't have a system that allows us to take care of each other when misfortune strikes because they feel that there's too much uh, celebration of misfortune as if, as if we're no longer strong. There's too much characterization of millennials as and young people generally, having a weak attitude towards life, uh, which is a product that occurs over and over again in all generations. It's a product of intergenerational suspicion, where you look at people who are benefiting from a more prosperous uh, society than was the case in your own life, uh, productive working years, and you say, they have it sweet, they're spoilt, and they're soft. They didn't have it hard like we did living in cardboard boxes on the side of a road. They don't know what life is. So that very predictable intergenerational suspicious thinking and uh, tendencies to undermine the achievements of other generations is present now and contributes towards uh, people voting in self-defeating ways. Uh, But I'm here to unpack people's resentment of the meritocracy and give a little ground and say maybe we need to do more unpacking of the meritocracy ourselves to say, admit the truth. The ladders that we uh, hold up as being present for people, the fact that we suggest through our actions that you work hard in school and you will march your way up the ladder, we should be acknowledging the very real obstacles that are making some of those ladder steps very rickety and the gold-plated, super-expedited ladders that are available to people of significant means. That mean it's not just a fair system of ladders exist, everybody find one and race up it as fast as you can. It would take some of the stress out of the rat race if we uh, acknowledge the appetite for recognising the value of trades, of non-academic pursuits and uh, practical skills, and that some people 
to quote Baden-Powell, if you're a square peg, find a square hole, uh, that some people are not suited for academia, some people are not well served by being encouraged to pursue um, higher education or to get into significant debt if you're in the US for the chance to have a degree to your name. Uh, yes, that's my, that's my general argument, that there's a general understanding among some people that feminism is devaluing the work of men or the traditional territory of men to be strong, to be protective, uh, because they're no longer doing that on their own. There's no longer this idea that we just have to rely on men to uh, be in the army, to earn bacon, bring home the bread or whatever it is. Women can do that now as well. That might have left some men without the psychological support they need, without a belief system they need to still feel special and valued. And I think it's important for us to try at a cultural level to remedy that problem, which is a perceptual problem, because we can still value men, we can still cherish men and male contribution without uh, having to roll back women's uh, new claims to equality, women's new requests for recognition and opportunity. Uh, we can do all of these things. We can have a win-win situation. We don't have to appease people who argue for eugenics, where there has to be a winning race and a losing race on a second tier. We don't have to have a winning gender and a losing gender. And women don't have to imply either that it's men's turn to lose. It's, turn, it's men's turn to gain in different ways. Yes, women have always been equal, but they have not always been equal under the law and they have not always been equal in terms of uh, opportunities and privileges within society. And biologically speaking, women are not uh, the same as men. So equality has different meanings. Uh, we are equally capable of greatness, but we are not uh, inherently as likely to have high testosterone levels as men. Uh, that is just a biological circumstance. And I'm always wary of being too assertive about biological circumstances because there's a whole uh, vein of fake science in which people used to argue that women were biologically inferior to men and that our brains were smaller. Uh, Atomic Bear is making the comment, I totally agree, you were in the US Army and women were just starting to get there. I think that's the argument you're making. Champagne uh, Count is asking, have I heard of the term TERF? I have. It's something, I've forgotten what the acronym stands for, but it pertains to feminists who are exclusionary of transgender people. How's the sound going today? I hope that volume is acceptable. And the account with a German-sounding name, Der Schatten, is saying, yes, that you mean women are equal in the sense that they are not beneath men as a person. Yes, as a gender. We don't need to hierarchically organize genders and we don't need to hierarchically organize races, which are in and of themselves a artificial construct devised by racist people who uh, wanted to attribute meaning and value to skin color. Hmm. Uh, people sometimes coordinating clusters around skin color, but uh, it's interesting. There's no way in which uh, moral relativism should be used to uphold whiteness as being a bastion of virtue. Champagne thinks it's a plot to divide the working class but you mostly agree with what I'm saying. Ah, yes, so you're saying that gender wars, uh, gender wars as represented in culture uh, relate to a plot to divide the working class. Could be, could be. I always think there are lots of factors at play. And I often want to tell the fable of the elephant and the wise men who were all blindfolded and led out to the yard and asked to put their hands out and describe what it is that they're holding. And they all have various opinions because they're all holding different parts of the elephant. They've all got either the tail of the elephant or the trunk or the, the hide or an ear. And so one thinks that they definitely have hold of a snake. Another thinks that they have hold of a, 
uh, an enormous python, another is arguing something else. In any case, all of their opinions are underinformed uh, because they haven't coordinated with each other. If they called out to each other to ask for information from somebody else's point of view, they would be able to add together the data points and realize that they were holding on to an elephant instead of arguing with each other. And that's a wonderful metaphor for how we can move forwards and benefit from the synergy of intellectual cooperation when we share our perspectives with each other and consider the information that other people can bring to the table. Of course, having said that, I still always mute bad faith trolls. And I think anybody at this point in history who supports Donald Trump is still a bad faith troll because they have chosen to ignore the evidence in the public sphere of Trump's prioritization of of Putin's agenda, uh, army bases, U.S. army bases abandoned, now flying Russian flags, uh, genocide of U.S. Uh, co-combatant forces, the Kurds in northeastern Syria. So there's so much available evidence of how Trump has sabotaged not only American trading relationships, not only American manufacturing uh deals through his tariff war, uh, not only America's international reputation through, uh, through the orphaning of children, through the, the forcible separation of babies, children, infants from their caregivers, leaving them without adult advocates in a prison system where they're likely to be sexually assaulted, undernourished, uh, mistreated and abused. That has all tarnished the US and it fits into the false assumptions that have been made for decades by not just fringe Americans, by a good 30 to 40% of Americans who for years have misunderstood the role of uh, humanitarian aid, the role of uh, government stimulatory spending measures, misunderstood a lot of things. And it's not under education. It's not that these people lacked appropriate education in schools, it's a purposeful campaign of misinformation conducted by 1% supporting economists such as James Buchanan, who purposefully set out to mislead the American public by campaigning for public choice, uh, which sounds appealing and and empowering, but actually meant to uh, sabotage or was directed to sabotage public support for renowned institutions such as public education and public roads and all manner of publicly funded um, structures and organizations and buildings and systems of operation that benefit American society, that have strengthened and made American society prosperous through having an educated population that can participate in democracy through having a sound system of public transport, through having roads and airport towers collectively funded through democratic socialist measures. Champagne, as you say, we Americans are so easily duped by choice buzzwords that it's ridiculous. I would like to argue that Americans are susceptible to very human tendencies. And we see these tendencies playing out now, not just in the US, but in the UK and in Australia and many other countries around the world. Every country has a subset of the population that is susceptible to nationalistic propaganda that deceives people, that inflames them with glee, that they can finally uh, be empowered by shedding social norms, humane considerations, that they can attack the enemies that they have been taught are significant personal risks for them and their families and their societies. So we we all have people at risk of... uh, various forms of misunderstanding on a continuum from complete delusion to just mere ignorance about uh, racial division and ongoing practices of uh, discrimination in a society, all the way to maybe being aware of patterns of discriminatory behavior and institutionalized discrimination to apathy about that. Nationalism, indeed, I agree that it always needs uh, an outgroup to demonize. That's how fascism, fascism, uh, fascistic nationalism works. 
the account of called De Schatten is just saying, making the comment that having lived abroad, you think America is still the most freedom-loving country and people. Different countries do have uh, different cultural values and America does talk a lot about freedom, but it's interesting because America also sacrifices a lot of personal freedoms and personal securities because of its uh, appeasement of gun worshippers and people with an unhealthy attachment to the idea of guns guaranteeing personal liberty and freedom when statistically and in a factual sense, guns jeopardize the safety of more Americans than they protect. There are, there's been significant research done that says if you have a gun in your home, your chances of somebody in your home dying of either suicide or homicide from either someone within the family or from an intruder who takes possession of the lethal weapon in your home, uh, the very efficient lethal weapon in your home, uh, that's something that people don't sufficiently consider because in America there's too much deference to the idea that guns are protective. Whereas guns are facilitative of things, they facilitate you killing other people and if you are overly characterizing other people as your enemy, then you think, yes, that solves all your problems to have a gun. And you ignore research and statistics that point out that having a gun facilitates suicide in your home, facilitates the suicide, sorry, the the potential homicide of any family members in your home. So you are more likely to be rendering the people in your family less safe, more at risk of untimely death, if you possess one or more lethal weapons with those odds significantly increased if you store those weapons in a way that allows you to have easy access to them. So if you want to be able to access your weapons easily in the event of a home invasion, you are increasing the likelihood that anyone in your home will be able to access those weapons in the, uh, in the event of being depressed or angry or irrational as humans often get when they are subject to human emotions and human problems and human uh, delusional states of being. We all have opinions. We're all very creative. We can work ourselves up into a tizzy. We can be racist. Uh, There's a man on reprieve from death row at the moment. What's his name? Roger Reed? Something beginning with R and his surname is Reed. And there appears to be evidence that the person who he's on death row for murdering uh, was in fact murdered by her fiancé who confessed in prison to another inmate that he had murdered his fiancé because she slept with a black man. So Reed was convicted because his semen was in the victim. That was identified. Uh, so that was taken as evidence that he had raped and murdered this white woman. And the evidence was ignored from her cousin and her co-workers that she was having a consensual affair with Reed. Hence the presence of of read semen. Uh, It wasn't evidence of murder and the belt which had apparently been used to strangle her was not tested for DNA when that would very probably have revealed DNA of her fiancé who incidentally was a policeman. So we should hear more about that but unfortunately it's still more likely to be discussed in avenues where African-American people are reporting on it because, yes, you intuitively feel more protective of people who share your cultural background and skin colour when that skin colour is associated with a history of persecution, unjust legal outcomes to this day uh, and overly punitive measures in all walks of life. So there's a documentary coming out about the overly punitive measures being meted out to black girls in the U.S. schools. Uh, there's more video available now for people to see uh, school security officers who have just pulled black young black girls out of their school chairs and dragged them across the floor. Uh, we I'm talking about this because these fractures, this expectation that you can mistreat and physically harm a young student because uh, of their skin colour and possibly also because of culturally relevant behaviours. So if, a, if you as a white person hold an implicit bias, 
that you think white people are superior and black people should be subservient and deferential to a superior race, then you will be more emotionally aroused. You will experience more emotional arousal when someone of black skin color defies you, even if it's a very minor defiance, even if they say no, if they don't get up as quickly as you want them to, you will act uh, with disproportionate force and violence because you have such a strong uh, underlying bias. You have imbibed so strongly, whether consciously or unconsciously, of, uh, of a sentiment that says, Black people should defer to you. Black people should not speak out of turn. Black people should not have the audacity to disobey your orders or to delay obeying your orders uh, by even a few seconds. And I know as a parent that there are times when I have been unreasonable in asking my children to do what I say straight away. And I've been like, no, immediately. And maybe they were, but if I've been uh, feeling stressed, perhaps I haven't been as gracious as I could be in those circumstances. So I can extrapolate from that to see there are moments when a person with implicit bias against uh, people of another skin color, an implicit bias against African Americans or, or, or Hispanic children, that they would have physiological arousal as a byproduct of their thoughts, as a byproduct of their... Um, of their framing of the world as a byproduct of their understanding that, that there is a racial hierarchy according to them. And if that's what they've learnt in their churches, if that's what they've learnt in their townships and their communities, then we will continue to see uh, overly violent, overly uh, punitive, over-stigmatisation of young black girls in a schooling system. So... Uh, that's my point, that we need to be paying attention to these issues. When we say, yes, police were scared, that's why they fired, we need to point out that uh, policemen's fear needs to be addressed. There may be a degree of rational basis to their fear. Perhaps uh, people of black skin colour are disproportionately likely to possess weapons. I don't know what the statistics are on that, but... I can imagine there might be a half-truth behind it. But at the same time, if you're fueled as well by uh, a racial hierarchy, a racially hierarchical mindset in which black people are lesser and black people are more violent because you just attribute that uh, outside of any statistical basis to that. <sighs> I can see why there's this division Rupert Murdoch, the Fox, the owner of Fox News, is able to exploit the division there between some people thinking they're being purely pragmatic and responding to statistics and statistical likelihoods and other people saying your perception of statistical likelihood is, is also amplified by your, uh, your racism, your racist ordering of the world. Oh, I got a super heart from someone called Cheryl Blue Wave. Thank you. Yes, implicit racism uh, adds to people's um, conviction that maybe Fox is the only source of news that tells them the truth. If they feel as if people are denying uh, any reality in terms of statistical skews. Uh, and I'm prepared to say there's a statistical skew in that black people disproportionately experience poverty or, or have lower amounts of wealth in any kind of tabled accounting of, of household wealth in the US because of historical patterns of exclusion and discrimination at an economic level, even in recent history. I mean, right now, black people are disproportionately excluded from consideration for employment. People are researching this as statistics that can show uh, that in blinded instances, uh, people with an African-American photo attached to their resume are less likely to receive a callback from an identical resume sent out with a picture of a white person attached, as well as big picture uh, real world studies that show economic ex exclusion. 
for people of colour. And that prior to this, yes, poverty disproportionately impacts people of colour, communities of colour, because of historical practices of denying uh, people of colour mortgages, which was legal behaviour and standard practice for banks in the 1960s. So there is a historical denial of opportunities stemming back to the Reconstruction era and before. So Reconstruction was good, wasn't it? They were going to build things better and then black people were able to vote and they elected a number of black legislatures and then there was a backlash, there was a mini civil war in which people shot, people in southern states uh, shot black legislatures and uh, there was sort of mass... um, mass violence and that ultimately there was a compromise in which uh, elections were reheld or people were excluded from running for office as a um, placatory measure, as appeasement to racist white people in the US and that people weren't prosecuted for their crimes in murdering black legislatures and murdering black voters. Yes, so I'm turning the audio from this Skype scope today into a podcast in case anybody wishes to listen to it at their leisure or share it amongst their friends who may not be scope watchers but who may uh, have the time or the liberty to listen to a podcast. Are there any other questions? Let's see. I have taken some notes about upcoming impeachment news. So let's see. Bolton may testify the variables in that equation i guess are bolton's conscience bolton's willingness to jeopardize the right in the u.s because when he admits what what trump has done when he gives his evidence about the conspiracy to undermine uh, state policy official state policy with a second concurrently running shadow state policy orchestrated by giuliani trump Uh, known about and participated in by Gordon Sunderland, diplomats Kurt Volker, uh, Energy Secretary Rick Perry. I should say former Energy Secretary Rick Perry because he resigned his position, as did Kurt Volker. Uh, But Sunderland is still the ambassador to the EU. He's due to testify on Wednesday, and he's already amended his testimony in which he said he didn't think there was a quid pro quo. He's now added to that by saying he now recalls conversations with his uh, colleagues in which conditions were set for the Ukrainians to receive aid. Now, always underlying the underreported point that Trump was violating the separation of powers as mandated by the Constitution when he withheld the aid. I can find that for you guys. There's um, the House Budgetary Committee trying to do a thread and they tried to be very hip uh, with that thread and use lots of GIFs, GIFs in it. Let's have a look. Okay, so the House Budget Committee, uh, I will read some of their thread. For those still asking why the president can't withhold whatever funds he wants, Here's your guide to the Impoundment Control Act of 1974, ICA. The ICA establishes procedures the president must follow, too, if he wants to reduce delay or eliminate funding. This prohibits the president from refusing to release congressionally appropriated funds just because he or she doesn't like it. Impoundment is divided into two categories, rescissions and deferrals. Rescission involves the cancellation of funds previously appropriated by Congress. If the president wants to spend less than Congress provided for a particular purpose, Congress must first pass a law to rescind the funding. Deferrals. Deferrals. A deferral is withholding or delaying funds from being used. Under the ICA, the president can refer can defer funds for three specific reasons, none of which are policy reasons. So let me see. I've clicked on the link they provided so I can see the three reasons. They tried to be so hip. They, they included so many GIFs in this thread that I think nobody's shared it because it doesn't look like an official congressional thread. But it is information that people need to contend with as we uh, try to shake off all of the Fox News misinformation, 
or just the, the very fact that this is the fire hose of fascism, there's so much news that it can be difficult for people to build up an internal narrative of events and therefore come to a fair and reasonable conclusion about the, tr- the president's criminal behaviour. So, rescissions. Okay, so deferrals. Three narrow circumstances, here we go, in which the president may propose to defer funding for a program. One, providing for contingencies. Two, achieving budgetary savings made possible through improved operational efficiency. And three, as specifically provided by law. The ICA requires that the president send a special message to Congress identifying the amount of the proposed deferral, the reasons for it, and the period of the proposed deferral. Upon transmission of such a special message, the funds may be deferred without further action by Congress. However, deferral cannot extend beyond the end of the fiscal year in which the special message is sent. So here we go. 45 years after the ICA became law, Congress once again confronts a president attempting to push past the long-recognised boundaries of executive budgetary power. So yes, we have a fascist president who challenges the bounds of executive power, who undermines the checks and balance the system of checks and balances established by the Constitution, mandated by the US Constitution, to which the US president president swore an oath to uphold and uh, the US Attorney General will facilitate that because he too is an authoritarian leaning despot who has underreported loyalties to an extremist Catholic organization called Opus Dei and who makes speeches now in which he very publicly ramps up the partisan rhetoric and uh, decries all moves to check the president to enforce constitutionally mandated systems of checks and balances as being resistance efforts. So Barr has gone full hack, although he's been full hack for a long time, but it's been more being more widely and accurately reported on that Barr has gone full partisan hack. Hello, my friend. Nice to see you. Thanks for dropping in. Uh, I hear people enjoyed our chat yesterday. I was trying to explain to my husband what we talked about uh, in terms of the repackaging of uh, house property-related debt uh, in ways that made the debt more risky, uh, but that this this risk was underappreciated by ratings agencies such as Standard & Poor, and that this combined with an overvalued property market, uh, contributed to what we call the global financial crisis, but which Americans apparently call the Great Recession. So so it's, I was proud of trying to report on that to my husband. He's, he's got an MBA, he's just finished, and he, uh, he, he knows about stuff like that, I presume. But I was like, I had this conversation today with my friend, and I was proud of it. So thank you for being part of that yesterday. We are trying to uncover the forces at work that have left various Americans in penurious circumstances and made them more susceptible to the siren call of fascist, fascistic nationalism. Uh, because Trump isn't just the problem. It's not just, we're not just on a mystery quest to get rid of a corrupt president. We're engaged in a life and death battle around the world to unpack and unpick the efforts of fascists to lead the world to destruction. We have a new entrant as a troll person into the Periscope chat with the the very uh, Kremlin propaganda line of, I don't like Trump, but I don't think impeachment's a good idea. We do not countenance uh, Putin-aligned trolls, whether or not you are specifically being paid, poorly paid, might I add, to uh, algorithmically promote ridiculous arguments. Of course, impeachment is an appropriate response to a highly corrupt president who is undermining not only American national interest, but global security and safety. So 
I like to mute trolls quickly. Spain's got a whole lot of far-right politicians. Spain has a susceptibility to the far-right in a historical sense. I wonder why. I wonder if it's uh, an affinity for fundamentalist Catholicism. Ah, yes, subprime loans being repackaged and sold as debt parcels in a mortgage gambling system, a mortgage futures gambling system that people predicted they would get massive financial gains from when houses were foreclosed on, but led to so many foreclosures that an overvalued property market collapsed, creating shockwaves in, uh, in the system. Mortgage-backed securities, thank you. Mortgage-backed securities, which were reparceled and resold so many times that, but were still given uh, overly optimistic ratings from risk ratings from ratings agencies such as Standard and Poor, uh, as if they were falsely trading on the word property being associated with the word mortgage. So all of this debt, all of this credit-related uh, debt was deemed to relate to property, which is a type of investment people usually feel pretty comfortable with. It's related to a firm physical asset and they think, yes, that's nice and secure and solid and I could afford to take on that amount of risk because if I lose, I'm less likely to lose that money that I need. Whereas all of the repackaged debt, all of the repackaged mortgage-related securities were far riskier than was advised because of the subprime nature of the loans, the fact that mortgage companies were offering untenable amounts of money, money uh, loans that people could not afford to repay and that were deceptively marketed so people were strongly encouraged to sign up to variable rate mortgages and then those mortgage rates changed uh, and they were not appropriately advised or, or it was not sufficiently emphasized that the rates would be variable and that if their circumstances changed, there would be very little flexibility and that their houses would be taken from them at the drop of a hat, regardless of how much money they had already plowed into repaying this mortgage debt in the first place, that their whole homes would be repossessed and all of their debt repayment efforts would be rendered useless. Someone is asking, weren't hedge fund guys the only winners? Yes, hedge fund guys won for a time and then they, oh, yes, property property mortgage-related hedge fund managers were gambling with futures pertaining to uh, security-related investment, um, mortgage-related securities. Oh, we've had such a, a cute and novel troll comment saying, oh, here's the penal colony girl telling us how to run the USA, <laughs> which is great. I, I do uh, originate from a former British penal colony, but it was also a place that was originally occupied by Aboriginals, so it didn't spring into existence when uh, the penal colony was originated by by Britain. I like it when trolling gets a little more creative, uh, although sometimes I don't like it. So I have mixed emotions. I'm ambivalent about troll creativity. Oh yes, girls plural. There is more than one Australian girl currently participating in this conversation. Uh, I'm recording this audio again, my friend Elle, uh, and will upload it to my podcast which is called davcat 43 fights fascism which is on the anchor platform if anybody cares to check it out if you're listening now then you don't really need to listen again but should you wish to should you wish to revisit the the wisdom of two australian girls uh chatting about american political developments that concern us all at a global level because of the peril that we collectively face as a species 
uh, from climate change that Trump is undermining collective action on. And oh, it was so nice of you to drop in, my friend. Love to see you. Have a great day. Awesome. You can listen to <laughs> something a second time. I always have so many extra listeners when you stop by. It's, it's very cool, the, the power and influence that you bring to, to anything you touch. It's nice. It's the opposite of everything Trump touches dies effect. <laughs> Thank you, darling. So to wrap up what we were saying, though, uh, about my friends pointed out that credit is sometimes seen as a lower risk investment than property. Interesting. Uh, that probably means I was making some incorrect assertions about property being seen as a low-risk investment because that was my understanding. But the next time Miss Trump, uh, Miss Nyet Trump, sorry, not Miss Trump, the next time my friend L, Miss Nyet Trump comes on, we can unpack that further and sort out uh, what is most highly associated with risk and how this was detrimental to property owners in the U.S., as well as uh, everybody who suffered as a consequence of the government having to invest billions of dollars of taxpayer money in the bailout of financial organizations that were too big to fail, and how that helped perhaps create the Tea Party, although I would say the primary motivator for the creation of the Tea Party was racism, and Donald Trump's presidency has underlined that, that regardless of whatever marketing material the Tea Party circulated about their origins and their, their origin story and the driving factors behind the creation and, and sustaining of the Tea Party, that primarily they are racists who wanted to sabotage an African-American president who always in, implicitly associated bad outcomes with an African-American pres president. Uh, Julia is making the comment that she thinks I'm right potentially when it comes to an emotional factor of investment that property feels safer to some people. Perhaps property feels safer to a certain subset of the investing population, maybe individual investors, whereas uh, corporate investors may have a different uh, rating for for investment appeal. They may say credit is a more worthwhile uh, more worthwhile target for investment opportunities. So, what else did I want to cover today? Just quickly, I wanted to point out that uh, Trump pardoned three convicted war criminals one of whom appeared on Fox and Friends today uh, thanking Trump and Pence, saying he thinks they're fabulous and that he thinks Trump needs to have more people who've got his back and that he's so frustrated by people not having Trump's back and that he thinks anybody working for Trump and working for the White House, if they don't agree with Trump policy, they should just get out. I.e., if you think Trump is engaging in criminal behavior, it's not your place to blow the whistle or to testify against Trump, you should just leave and be quiet. Yes, we are. We are talking about institutional investment, uh, but also individuals. Uh, adding to their share portfolios, I guess. They might have acquiesced to their mortgage brokers. I'm not sorry, their mortgage brokers, their, their stock portfolio brokers saying, let's buy some of these mortgage-related securities. Uh, but also companies may have thought it was appealing to, to trade or rather to gamble with these mortgage-related securities, ultimately uh, blowing up the market for non-tenable loans. When I say subprime loans, I'm going to say non-untenable loans in which people were offered more money than was logical or feasible for repayment. And that was probably driven in the hope that some people would lose their houses. Some people would have to 
would miss repayments on their mortgage and that the properties would be forfeited to the banks and that an asset would then become available. Uh, it's a complicated topic, isn't it? Julia is saying she knows a few people who bought into home financing and then lost everything in 2008 and nine. Yes, and it wasn't uh, Obama's fault. When did Obama come to power? He was probably inaugurated in early 2009, which means all of these problems were culminating just as he came to power and were a product of under-regulated financial organisations, uh, underperforming ratings agencies and uh, everything. Trump, uh, sorry, uh, Obama did inherit a complete financial disaster and he, in the face of massive Republican Party obstructionism, was able to turn that into an economic recovery for the US. And so many people are afflicted by uh, white economic blindness in that they cannot acknowledge or perceive the economic recovery initiated by a black president. And I'll add to it, I'll say white partisan blindness. So not only can they not acknowledge the recovery uh, success, the economic recovery efforts and successes of a black president, but also a black democratic president. I always immediately mute now people who ask, am I in America? Because it typically is a bad faith question. So just fair warning to people who might innocently want to say, where are you? Uh, if you phrase the question as, are you in America? I will hear that as, are you even in America? And I am trying to undermine your contribution to this debate, to this ongoing expose of the criminal elements uh, underlying all of the nationalistic movements around the world. All of the criminal oligarchs, and when I say oligarch, I mean very wealthy business people who have a disproportionate amount of power compared to normal democratic citizens. They wield their power corruptly and they uh, wield their power to the detriment of the public good. So oligarchs benefiting from fascistic nationalism include uh, medium magnates such as Rupert Murdoch and mining magnates such as the Australian Gina Reinhardt who exports coal and who is also trying to instigate uranium mining now as if to say, okay, we can't completely keep on denying climate change, so we'll get on board that a little bit, just enough to say, well, we'll have to advocate for nuclear power plants, which will take 10 to 15 years to build, and which there is low public appetite for because of the risks associated with nuclear reactors and disposing of nuclear waste. So what are the islands? It begins with an M. And there was an expose published recently that Americans conducted nuclear tests in the Pacific and uh, that this nuclear waste was stored under the sea in a way that is now jeopardized, that some of that nuclear waste may now uh, seep into the oceans surrounding these islands. I want to say MI. Perhaps if I can Google it or if somebody else can look it up, that would be handy. Marshall Islands, there you go. How the US Betrayed the Marshall Islands, published in the LA Times. And I will put up a link to this article now on my website, which is davcat43.com, in the tab called Resources and Homework. Uh, so how the US betrayed the Marshall Islands, kindling the next nuclear disaster. The US won't clean up... Wow. The US won't clean up... Marshall Island's nuclear waste dome, but wants it free of anti-US graffiti. Well, isn't that just charming? They won't help. Uh, under Trump, the US government won't help uh, deal with the, the problems of nuclear waste leaking 
and jeopardizing the health and safety of Marshall Islands residents, but it does want them to stop writing rude things about the US on the concrete dome that is filled with waste from US nuclear weapons testing. Wow. Yep, it's leaking, and it's been leaking for years. The nuclear testing occurred between 1946 and 1958. The US detonated 67 nuclear bombs on, in, and above the Pacific Island chain. So because of those nuclear tests, we were able, I guess, to defeat Japan, which had aspirations to conquer the Pacific (coughs) and the US. So nuclear weapons helped stop um, Japanese imperialism and Japanese advancement, militaristic advancement. Uh, Although it's been argued by a lot of people that they were ready to surrender and that the nuclear bombs were unnecessary, in which case the Marshall Islands, the people of the Marshall Islands are suffering (coughs) (coughs) and living in fear and likely to experience accelerating suffering as the nuclear waste continues to leak. Um, Cancer, (sighs) radiation poisoning, childhood cancers, It's all a bit frightful for those people and to think that they have been forced into a position of sacrifice. It's not self-sacrifice, it's forced, forcible sacrifice uh, as part of our history of of saving, of winning victory in World War II. So there should be pressure from us. If you consider your your life and your generation to have been saved by uh, US victory in World War II, then it's up to us to advocate for people in the Marshall Islands and to make noise and to say we insist that the US government devote more resources to uh, fixing the problems with the leaking concrete dome containing nuclear waste on the Marshall Islands and to not think of it as not my problem. Uh, Apathy and negativity really do impact on our ability to contend with problems because outrage and action get things done and we're seeing that a lot during the Trump era that when people have cared, when people have stood up and made noise in sufficient quantities, when a sufficiently large uh, collective mass of people, outraged people has been reached, then things do change. Um, Democrats win governorships in Republican states or Republican-leaning states. Uh, Policies get changed when there is enough outrage. So it's not enough to go, but I myself burn with the outrage of a thousand suns. If we do not make our outrage contagious and consequently effective, if we do not help articulate our feelings so that they become persuasive, then we are not doing our job. We can't just call people names. We can't just say Donald Trump is an idiot, Donald Trump is a criminal. We have to be prepared to unpack our reasoning and our logic because it is through seeing the working out of these logical problems that other people may be persuaded to come on board. We can't just show them our answers. I'm using the analogy of a math problem here. So there's a question, a math question. We can't point and say, we're clever, we've got the answer, Trump is a criminal. We have to keep pointing out the illegality, which laws are being broken, uh, why the outcome is bad for people who uh, appease or celebrate fascism, why historically fascism works out badly for people, Uh, Because it masks incompetence, it uses emotional enthrallment to a cult leader to paper over uh, the problems of leadership. It subverts the type of cooperation and uh, mutually beneficial work to serve the public in favour of serving a certain proportion of the public. So Trump rules to benefit his base. He buys voters because he gives $28 billion to farmers uh, whilst 
arguing that he will cut California off from federal aid when it's experienced devastating bushfires. Trump only wants to help people who will vote for him. He definitely turns the presidency into a pay-for-play situation or rather vote-for-adequate-governance situation. And even then, Trump has still fundamentally betrayed the farmers. They are casualties of his hyper-masculine posturing, his hyper-aggressive, hyper-masculine, unnecessarily aggressive posturing against China. So farmers are suffering from increased suicide rates uh, as their trading relationships have been sabotaged with China. Soybeans are apparently one of the most significant exports uh, for uh, for American farmers, but not all of them are receiving Trump aid. Uh, 